0: Boom 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 boom. Bang 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 bang. How, 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 how. how, 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 how. Hey, hey. What's going on world? Welcome to another week and another episode here on the RJO Show, your all 32 team NFL podcast presented by Slant Sports Audibles. I am your humble host. R.J. Ochoa. You know me from my work at InsideTheStar.com, where I write about the Dallas Cowboys 24-7, 365. You know about me on Twitter, at R.J. where you experience my daily musings and, uh, you know, whatever I got going on in the wide world of R.J. and how I see the big blue marble that we all live on. And today on the RJO show, we're sort of taking a step laterally from the Cowboys. It's been a really heavy... Cowboys dosage the last few weeks, which is a good thing. America's team is on the brain, and they're winning Super Bowl 51, so everyone is really excited, but we need to cover some NFL news, and for that, and for those purposes, I brought in a great friend of mine. I talk about every guest as if they're my good friend, because it's true. I have a lot of great friends. All of you are my friends, and you know, I'm a friendly guy, so uh, without further ado, I'm going to welcome an RJO Show alum, Jimmy Jal Now, What's going on, Jimmy?
1: Hey, R.J., glad to be here.
0: This is your third appearance on the RJO Show.
1: You're the yeah, first, first guest. hat trick yeah. of your podcast.
0: That is pretty amazing. And, uh, you know, we're recording this on Monday night. And I really sort of am regretful that it's your third appearance and not your fourth appearance. Because if it had been your fourth appearance, I was going to drop them all like Ryan Lochte had his four sponsors dropped. And, uh, you know, I know this has nothing to do with the NFL. It's still a, still a big sports story going on. And I was curious that, you know, you, you know the NFL pretty well. You're a Houston Texans fan, for those that don't know. And so what do you think you would have to do if you were a player for the Houston Texans to lose a sponsorship? Something just out of this world ridiculous like Ryan
1: Lochte just did. On the scale that he did, because what he did was an international incident. Right. I mean, he kind of gave a big middle finger to the Brazilian people and the police staff there, the IOC, just fans of the Olympics in general. So maybe no problem.
0: Maybe, you know, like I'm saying, if you were like an ambassador for the Houston Texans, maybe you did this, you know, the Texans are going to play in Mexico. you know, this season on Monday Night Football against the Oakland Raiders, maybe you would do something there, you know, in foreign land. You know, what, what could you do that if you were an ambassador for the Texans would cause you to lose your sponsorship? We'll call it a sponsorship, like Ryan Lochte just lost his.
1: Maybe, like, plant some kind of Raiders graffiti, like, just to make their fans look bad, but someone caught me or snagged a picture of me, like, tagging a wall, but, like, in my J.J. Watt jersey, something like that. Something utterly stupid and short-sighted.
0: I still don't think that that would be as, to your, to put it how you said, utterly stupid and short-sighted as what Ryan Lochte did. But I think that that's a compliment ultimately to your lack of stupidity. Is that you're actually trying to come up with something as silly as he did, and you couldn't. So, I mean, congratulations—you're a better person than Ryan Lochte. I'm just not naturally stupid. That's uh, you know, you and I go back a long ways to our days uh, you know, in College Station, Texas at Texas A and M University, Gigum. And uh mm-hmm. I uh I know you to not be that stupid of a person. So yeah, I agree with that. Yeah.
1: You were wrong, grandma. <laughs> um
0: anyway, so there is a lot of NFL news to talk about. And like I said, Jimmy, you know, uh the RJO show is um, you know, it's what the people want. And while the Cowboys have been hot on the mind we need to talk about the NFL. We've you know, we've we've shown a lot of love to the Cowboys and we'll be showing more love to the Cowboys throughout the, the whole season. Actually on Thursday night after the Cowboys and Seahawks play, I'll be jumping into the podcast booth again for a post game episode with blogging the boys' Landon McCool, uh, to break down that game and that'll be fun. But tonight, you know, you as you and I record for this episode, the earlier episode in the week, we need to talk about the whole NFL and Nobody is as anti Cowboys talk these days as you, so that's why I thought this made sense.
1: Ouch. I don't <laughs> mind talking about the t- Cowboys every now and then, but it's just been forced down my throat. Everything you see on Twitter is either national media analysts telling you not to fall in love with Dak Prescott just yet, or just Cowboys fans just worshiping him. He's the second coming of Jesus. Well, let's. Or- for some cowboys, the second coming of Tony Romo, which is an even bigger deal to some <laughs> of you guys. Let's let's start
0: here. And you mentioned Twitter. You can follow Jimmy on Twitter at the Jimmy and you should. He uh, he has some pretty funny tweets. He's upping his Twitter game for the 2016 season. But let's start with Dak Prescott briefly. And this is something I've talked about at great lengths here on the show and on Ocho Live throughout the last few weeks and at InsideTheStar.com. Myself and the other writers, we've we've tackled this issue. Unlike defenders have tackled Dak Prescott, actually, in real life. But what do you make of the hype surrounding him? And Because, you know, if you had to to put it in perspective here, and I, I don't want to say it's something we've never seen before. That sounds absurd. But it is, I think, fascinating when you look at you know the sociology behind NFL fandom and you consider the fact that Dak Prescott plays for the Dallas Cowboys you consider the fact that the starting quarterback is Tony Romo and he missed him you know 12 games last year I mean this is a really unique thing and so I think the hype you know I, I've written about this like I said and I've got a piece going out on Tuesday for anyone who can check it out at com, where I cautioned everybody to just you know hey Tony Romo's our guy But what do you make of this hype, and and do you think it's unique because it's it's the Cowboys or because it's Dak, or just, you know, because everything just happened to line up in one maddening way?
1: Well, everything's unique with the Dallas Cowboys. Mm -hmm. No one has the stage or the presence that they do, so everything's on a much grander scale with them. And as far as the hype goes, I think the rational fan is saying it's just preseason, you're going against vanilla defenses that aren't starting everyone that they possibly can they're not blitzing like they normally would they're not lining up the same way giving the quarterback the same look so i think most reasonable fans would say you know we've seen a lot of stuff we like with him but this doesn't prove anything yet then you've got the uh more fanatic type of fan the Jimmy. where uh not quite <laughs> uh but other people that you know Die hard Cowboys fans that may or may not be the best football mind saying we need to start him over Romo. That's absurd. He is a gem. We stole him in the fourth round. We're brilliant. They're already crowning themselves. Uh, they've already made it seem like once Tony Romo retires, they've definitively got their answer at quarterback and all their problems are gone and handled until Dak Prescott retires in 30 years. Wow. Well. It's not the case, and you can't you can't possibly make it the case after just two preseason games. If these were two regular season games, yeah. you can't claim this. It, it doesn't mean anything yet. Yeah, defenses and- will adjust to players. Once they get more film on them.
0: Yeah, no, that's something uh, my dad has always barked, you know, as long as I can remember, the the no-film theory. The one guy he's ever been wrong about. I remember the week after Thanksgiving in 2007, the Cowboys hosted the Green Bay Packers. Uh, At the time, the top two seeds in the NFC, Brett Favre got knocked out for a little bit. Aaron Rodgers came in. My dad was like, oh, he's just having success because there's no film on the guy. Well, you know what, Dad? (laughs) I know you're listening. Aaron Rodgers proved you wrong. So, but yeah, I think this is... uh, just you know an interesting thing the way people are reacting to dak but you're right i think it's just a lot of it is accented because he's the the quarterback for the cowboys and you know whatever but hey let's move on you know we talked we've talked a lot of Dak. let's move on you know i'm over here saying let's move on to the nfl and then the first thing we talk about is cowboys that's how we roll (laughs) um josh brown the new york giants kicker is in the news for a really really horrible reason these days Actually, he was suspended for the first game of the 2016 season for uh, for a really bad reason. I'm going to read a uh, piece from an ESPN.com article, and uh, I want to get your thoughts, Jimmy. So this this piece was published last week, and it says the Giants knew a suspension for Brown was possible the moment their kicker called the team on May 22, 2015 to inform it of his arrest for assault in the 4th degree slash domestic violence in Washington State. The charges were later dropped. The NFL suspended Brown last Wednesday for one game for violating the league's personal conduct policy. Brown was a free agent this offseason. The Giants knew about the arrest for 11 months before signing him to a new two-year deal. They didn't need to. The Giants could have moved on and looked elsewhere to fill the void. Brown is 37. He's not a part of the franchise's long-term future. In fact, Brown has said for several years he's just trying to get a few more seasons out of the powerful right leg that has made him and his family plenty of money. So that's the ESPN.com article. And it should be noted that on Monday the day we're recording this word trickled out that the giants are expected to sign randy bullock former aggie who you and i both know really well so i'm curious jimmy you know what do you think about this whole situation domestic violence is obviously a very horrible thing a very very tender you know subject matter and you know it's something the nfl has had unfortunate issues with for the last four or five years so what do you think of, you know, this happening? What do you think of the fact that the Giants have known about it? I mean, what bothers me here is that the, the NFL is saying they're, they've been unable to communicate with Josh's wife and they're basing all their punishment off of the original police reports. If that's the case, then why wasn't he suspended in 2015? I mean, this, this incident happened in May, you know, of last year. We're talking that was 15 months ago. What, you know, what is going on here? You know, break it down for me.
1: So aside from, you know, the heinous act that it is and, you know, what evidence there is and what the police reports are, the main problem, aside from all those issues, is there's no consistency with the NFL and if it's, you know, a quarterback versus a running back versus a kicker.
0: Versus a a specific charge, a specific level of law specific and it's there are different laws in different
1: states i mean yeah i agree i mean even whether or not it was caught on camera how many witnesses there were you're getting all these different punishments and you know the nfl came out after ray rice and after adrian peterson and said a guideline of you know a first infraction a second infraction what all that would mean and there was immediately no consistency with how they handle domestic violence um you know they have rules roger goodell has uh, penalized guys for hurting the image of the shield and with domestic violence which is possibly the worst thing you can do to hurt the shield there's no real punishment nothing financially or morally punishing the players it's just i don't even want to say make them think twice because i feel like if you can be driven to do something like that losing a game check isn't going to do anything and that's what the problem is it's not just i'm suspended four games or i'm losing a year from my career it's people not being able i don't know if they're not emotionally emotionally evolved enough to handle pressure or whatever but that's the root problem and the nfl isn't able to address that and even what they're you know, fairly limited and capable of doing as punishment, they're not doing that well either. So, you know, there's not going to be anything you can do to stop issues like this from happening. But, I mean, just be consistent with what your punishment is and send a definitive message that you're not going to tolerate it.
0: Yeah, you know, I think, you know, I think we all think back to two years ago when the Ray Rice stuff unfolded. That was, I think, a it's unfortunate in fact it's embarrassing that it took till 2014 to become such a a prominent uh, and highly debated highly discussed you know issue not just in the NFL but in terms of professional sports in America and I mean you know you think about that the Ray Rice thing obviously suspended for two games and then the video comes out and and it just this is you know everything that happened with Ray Rice was a reactionary move there was no proactive you know uh, thinking when it came to that and you know, obviously, as a Cowboys fan, I'm familiar with what happened with Greg Hardy. And there are diff- there are different things here involved with Josh Brown in terms of being charged and things that didn't happen to Greg Hardy. And, and so to your point, there's no consistency with, like, the letter of the law. You know, if, if I think that's what, what fans are so concerned about is, you know, okay, well, if you're charged in court, that should merit this. If you're not charged, that should merit this. It seems like the NFL is almost forming their own judicial system where they're weighing each sort of uh, incident – you know, on their own subjectively, which is, is unfair and, you know, un- unjudicial. But, I mean, the thing about this is, for me, and you know, I think about the the Ray Rice and the Adrian Peterson and the Greg Hardy. That was sort of the trifecta that really hit the NFL at once. And all of those things predated their new domestic violence sort of mantra, their new sort of domestic violence stance, even, you know, I know Greg Hardy played a year ago, which was a year after the Ray Rice incident, but his crime, if you will, happened under the old domestic violence policy. So the fact that this is happening under the new one to me is, is the biggest embarrassment of all. It's saying, okay, NFL, you told us you got all this together. You know, you said, trust you, you know, whatever. And here we are, Josh Brown does this, and the words domestic violence pop up, and all you do is suspend the guy for one game, you know, a year and a half later.
1: It's it's unacceptable. And the way the NFL works, you know, you even touched on it. You know, they're treating domestic violence as a case-by-case basis, which, you know, in the real world, that's how things should be. But the NFL doesn't do that with anything else. PED use, uh, marijuana charges, anything like that, they've got a set system in place for how they deal out punishments. And for domestic violence, it seems like they're just rolling a dice and whatever number is on top is how many games you're suspended for. Yeah, no, it's... It's it's completely unacceptable. There's no kind of regulation or rule and that's what happens when Roger Goodell is the judge, jury, and executioner.
0: Yeah, and, you know, Aaron Rodgers came out sort of in in response to a different issue, but saying that the players sort of made this bed, and they have to lie in it. You know, they negotiated this CBA that gives Roger Goodell all this power, and they're just stuck. I mean, that's, that's the truth of it, and I give Aaron Rodgers a lot of props for calling a spade a spade. But you're right that their punishment, I, I think, you know, you said that, that they do, you know, they apply unison punishments to other things and not just, you know, just specifically not to domestic violence. But I would disagree here because, you know, it was last week, you know, something else we need to talk about. Let's get there. Le'Veon Bell's four-game suspension was reduced to three games. And this is because Le'Veon Bell attests that he missed uh, a drug test in, in April. He went on this big Twitter rant. And this is a year after Le'Veon Bell had his three-game suspension reduced to two games. Now, what I think is uh, a detail here that people are just letting kind of fly over their heads about this is Le'Veon Bell having his suspension reduced from four games to three this season is big. Not just – and not I don't even care that he's only suspended for one less game. What this means is his next infraction does not cost him ten games. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan. We've talked about this. I don't know if you knew that, Jimmy. But anyway I've, – I've heard <laughs> – You know, if Demarcus Lawrence, you know, violates another rule, he has another infraction, that's 10 games that he's suspended for. We're seeing that in Rolando McClain, a different cowboy. So now, Le'Veon Bell, he bought a strike back. By having this whittled down, and it looks like it was negotiated here. It looks like you know it wasn't just the NFL saying this, whatever. It looks like there was some some give and take here. So Le'Veon Bell's suspension isn't just dropped by a game. He's bought another strike. It's like you know, it's like Mario when you get that extra life that you don't really need, but it's it's just cool to like you know the, the people you're playing with to be like, oh, you, you always
1: need the extra life. Yeah, what are you talking about but, it's crucial. But so now it's Le'Veon, buffer you need.
0: Le'Veon Bell has that extra life in a contract year, a player who has an injury history, but. This issue, I think, is is laughable. Just like the domestic violence thing is, why does why is Le'Veon Bell's missed drug test acceptable? I mean, to me, you know, if you missed the drug test, I don't care what happened, dude. I mean, you were supposed to take it. You have a history of this. You know, you had your suspension reduced a year ago. How on earth is Le'Veon Bell's suspension reduced by a game, Jimmy?
1: I think you catch Roger Goodell in the right kind of mood and depending on your certain circumstance that, oh, I've got this excuse, I've got that excuse, and I'm a sympathetic figure for this reason, and this is why you're making the wrong decision. And I guess if you you just catch him on the right day, apparently, because I don't have a real solid explanation for what he's doing, that's all I can imagine. You catch him on a good day, you know, I guess you have your agents or the NFLPA Try to make the best case possible for why you should have a sentence reduced. And if the cards fall in the right place, I mean, you've got a guy with, what, is that his second drug offense? And then he's also missed drug tests, getting suspended less games than Tom Brady, who— May or may not have the, the top part in defending football.
0: The, the Tom, which... Bra- the Tom Brady thing. See, like that's that's the whole issue for me here is that there's no consistency. That's the word you used at the very beginning of this conversation with Josh Brown. Right. There's there's no consistency here, and, and and granted, to a degree, there shouldn't be. There should be a level of subjectivity applied because these are different infractions, right? But I mean, they should be handled and measured in an objective way, and they're not. I, like to your point it's it's not hard to come to the conclusion that Roger Goodell is rolling dice or in a good mood some of these days, and that's why these things happen. And, you know, I mean, get get past the gamesmanship of it all. Look at these as 32 businesses. They all depend on success for their team. That's how these businesses thrive. And so you're messing with people's money. And it's
1: it's fair and it's not fair to say, but someone can look at this and say, Tom Brady deflated footballs, and he got suspended four games, and even then your evidence is pretty weak. You've got another guy in a domestic violence issue getting suspended for one game. You've got people saying, hey, well, so deflating a football is four yeah. times worse, and it's that's not exactly fair to say. But, but people are but going to say it, and you're opening it. People are going to yeah. say that. You're opening I mean, yourself it, up to all that. I agree. It's a bad look. Yeah. It's a bad look for Roger Goodell. Yeah, I mean... That's detrimental to the Shield more I'm, so than the actual act of deflating footballs.
0: I agree. And, you know, it's it's fascinating, like I said, the sociology behind it because I do think the NFL is so powerful and it's such a strong business that it can withstand all of these, you know, sort of just whatever stories and still be the most dominant sport, you know, in America, which is amazing, but... Jimmy and I are going to stay dominant here on the RJO show after this break. Jimmy, you saddled in? You comfortable?
1: I'm ready, man. Let's keep doing this. All right, well, we're
0: going to throw this to break, and we'll do a light match. If Nobody go anywhere. We will be here on the RJO show. Cowboys Nation. The Dallas Cowboys season is officially here. That's right. We are in the middle of the preseason and the Dallas Cowboys kick off two weeks from now against the New York Giants. It is going to be an amazing ride and it's going to be an even more amazing ride at InsideTheStar.com and one that we want you to be a part of. At Inside The Star, we have the best Dallas Cowboys analysis that's available on the web and we cater specifically to you, the voices of a nation. We deliver quality analysis. We have game previews, game recaps, bold predictions, all this, all that, everything that you could possibly want concerning America's team. Check us out on the web, InsideTheStar.com. Follow us on Twitter, at InsideTheStarDC. You can like our official Facebook page. You can get with us on Google+, Snapchat, Instagram. Everything you can think of, we're there. Check out InsideTheStar.com and be a part of the spectacular ride that's going to be the 2016 NFL season with the Dallas Cowboys. Let's get back to this episode of the RJO Show. Welcome back to the RJO Show. We are chilling here. RJ Ochoa, your humble host. It's me, the RJ, from the RJO Show, with my good friend Jimmy Jow Sethnet, and we are coming back to Do It Alone by Sugar Colt, which is from one of my all time favorite movies, Jimmy Employee of the Month with Dan Cook. Have you ever seen it?
1: Yeah, I've seen it. It's horrible.
0: I love that movie. I mean, it's got like a nostalgic feel for me. I'm not at all it's saying like one star. It's I'm, awful. I'm not saying it's like the best quality movie of all time. I'm just saying it has a soft spot in my heart like that's all. And I think it was appropriate today because the song is called Do It Alone. Today you're co-hosting. You know? I'm not alone. It's it's ironic.
1: That's the biggest stretch I've ever heard.
0: Look, Jimmy. Whatever. All right. Anyway, you know, let's uh let's talk some NFL the na-
1: of the month. My god. Let's talk
0: about the NFL. And in the first segment we talked about a kicker, Josh Brown, and I want to talk about another one. All right. So A few months ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers used the 59th overall pick in the NFL draft to select Roberto Aguayo, the kicker from Florida State, who was apparently like the stud among studs when it comes to kickers in the National Football League or in college football or on Earth or in the Milky Way or whatever you want to call it. Now, Roberto is having some trouble this preseason, all right? You know, you you take a player in the second round and you expect them to contribute right away, unless you're the Dallas Cowboys, of course. And the Bucks took Roberto Aguayo. So you would think, you know, if you're that team, you know, okay, we're taking this kicker. This guy's going to go 50 for 50 this season. And he's not. And word is trickling out that Roberto is perhaps a bit frazzled mentally. He's actually undergoing some, some mental coaching. He's meeting with a lot of people, former kickers and former special teams coaches. Jimmy, what's happening with Roberto Aguayo? I don't
1: know if it's just his mental game is off or what because kicking is just mental and i don't know if it's just you know nfl jitters but i don't think it's too big of a deal i think he can be a very good kicker in the nfl but it's a horrible look. It doesn't mean anything. But if you're a Bucks fan and you've been yeah. defending this, you know, <laughs> comparing this pick to Sebastian Janikowski of the yeah. Raiders, you were, you were like, you were
0: like, this made sense. You know, we we needed this. Our kicking game was weak. There's three yeah. phases to the game: offense, defense, and special teams.
1: It, you're embarrassed right now, and it doesn't mean anything. But this has got to be the stupidest problem you can have. if You're a Bucks fan. <laughs> I think. Just, uh, I
0: think this is fascinating honestly like I, I don't think it's it's bad I think it's super interesting so I mean you know you and I are friends and you know I'm a big golf fan and in golf go- golfers are the most you know anal people when it comes to routines and and people that can get mentally frazzled just like like nfl kickers in fact you know the the two are compared a lot in terms of routines and and repetitive processes and things like that and i'm not at all claiming to be you know jordan spieth or anything but i mean i know that when i line up to putt and the slightest thing goes wrong i'm wrecked and so roberto i imagine has this mental process that he needs and so I just think this is fascinating that, you know, I actually sort of applaud him for taking it this seriously. You know what I mean? Like, because he knows that his mental game is, I don't want to say shattered, but it's dinged and he needs to get it right.
1: I mean, is there a job opening for a mental coach? I'd love to do that for <laughs> him. What would your advice anyway, be to Roberto Aguayo? Kick it through the uprights, you moron. Like, I don't know what you say. What do you say? Practice more? Yeah. Just I... envision the ball going through the goalpost. <laughs> Give me a break. How much are you paying this guy? That's what I want to know. And he's got second round kicker money. I don't even know what that is in twenty sixteen. Well it's ridiculous, and I'm I'm a little bit of a jerk. You know me well, so you know this. But I kinda wanna see the struggle continue through the regular season, and that's a horrible thing to say. <laughs> but I just I just want to see the fallout of a second round kicker being horrible. Yeah, I mean What cause... if he got cut?
0: yeah in two or so
1: years just because he's that bad
0: i mean it's hard to imagine a second round pick getting cut after a year for any team but i mean you consider how frequently nfl teams cycle through kickers and and, you know nfl teams cycle through kickers like fantasy teams do and and you and i you know our primary fantasy league is together we just had our draft I'll, i'll get to that later but I mean, NFL teams sort of – unless you have a Steven Gaskowski, a Dan Bailey, a Justin Tucker, you know, NFL teams sort of treat the position the same way. And, I mean, it would certainly be interesting. But, I mean, I think I speak for both of us when we say that Roberto needs to get this on track. But I I just think that's really interesting that uh, he's having this trouble. But let's move on, all right, to some other perhaps um, mental lack of focus. Carlos Williams also a florida state fame similar to uh, to Roberto Aguayo was released by the buffalo bills and carlos has you know we talked about it on the show a few months back he was reportedly overweight and he said that he was because he gained weight with his wife because she or his fiance because she was pregnant which at the time i thought was really sweet you know, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. You I know?
1: saw right through that. <laughs> we had that conversation. I but, think that's the worst BS excuse you could come up with.
0: But so Carlos has actually been released by the Bills, who you know just drafted last year. So, I mean, this is interesting. The Bills did sign Reggie Bush, which I think is also really interesting. You've got a former USC Trojan playing for the Buffalo Bills at running back. You know, the OJ documentary came out this summer, and it was fantastic. <laughs> and I saw the other day on Twitter that, I didn't know that Reggie Bush is not allowed in the Coliseum per the NCAA, but the Bills play the Rams in LA at the Coliseum. So that's really great. But, um, so. Yeah. Carlos,
1: Cause of the NCAA. Yeah. Uh, Cause he had he his Heisman. He down the yeah. hammer for taking money. They took away his Heisman. But, so,
0: know, so the, Colos, the Coliseum conflict. element to this is interesting, but Carlos Williams cut and went unclaimed on waiver. So he's a free agent. He can sign with anybody. So a, what do you make? Of Carlos Williams being released by the Bills. The Bills are just a mess. And B, where do you think Carlos Williams ends up? Jimmy, go.
1: So I think it's horrible. It's even more telling that he went unclaimed in the waivers. No team wanted to waste a pick on him. That is what's shocking. And the fact that he came to camp 30 pounds overweight with that BS excuse... Give me a break. You it's mean like an on...
0: affectionate excuse and loving?
1: Uh, B.S. It's like when you go on a Tinder date or something, then the person's 40 pounds heavier than what you saw in the picture. You feel lied to. It feels dirty. You're a NFL athlete. There are millions of kids in this country right now that would kill to have the opportunity that you do and to blow it off, which he has done, with one excuse after the other. It's a bad look for him. Uh, no other team wanted to touch him in the waiver. I don't know where he ends up. Maybe with the, uh, with the Patriots just because... Uh, just because they do that. Well, they <laughs> do that. They'll take a chance on a guy. Right now, they're really thin at running back and it's a bill belichick kind of thing how much He'll would take a risk how much would rex ryan pro
0: how much would rex ryan lose it if bill belichick brings carlos williams to buffalo and just runs him down his throat i think
1: if the patriots signed him rex ryan would have to expect it you know <laughs> if this wasn't the bills that cut him rex ryan would have picked that guy up
0: <laughs> yeah i mean rex That's ryan what's funny about rex ryan was the guy i said wyan rex wyan weird that's um, cute. But Rex Ryan, the guy who who picked up IK Incompale a year ago after he punched Geno Smith. So, yeah, he's not, he's not foreign to that type of move. Let's move on. Baltimore Ravens, 2015 first-round draft pick, 26th overall. Brashad Perriman, the wide receiver, has been uh, removed from the pup list, which is a good thing for him. Brashad obviously missed all of last season uh, with an injury to his left knee. And uh, he suffered sort of a re-injury at organized team activities in mid-June. He did avoid season-ending surgery, which was a big deal a few months back. Uh, but he he had a stem cell injection, which is, you know, I don't know. It sounds horrible. I've never had one of those. But, I mean, either way, Prashad Perriman coming back. Obviously, the Ravens need him. They need offensive help very badly. They've got Steve Smith, who's coming back for one more uh, rodeo. What do you think of Brashad Perriman and what kind of impact he can make? Is he, is it too early to call him, you know, injury prone or what do you think, Jimmy?
1: Well, I feel bad for him. Uh, A big part of his game was just his speed and having these two injuries to his knees. uh, You got to imagine he's going to be slow. He's going to naturally be rusty. Uh, It's been two seasons in a row where Ravens fans have had to wait for him. And this dude just hasn't been able to get on the field. Mm -hmm. I don't expect him to make a big impact um that the ravens need and i feel bad for the guy i feel bad for the fans he's someone that could have been extremely exciting to watch right when he was uh drafted but i don't expect to hear his name much this year
0: yeah it seems like it's gonna take him a little while just to kind of get his feet wet i mean you think about it he hasn't played football competitively for two years what regardless of the level obviously never even at the nfl level um let's do a quick little game here who has more yards touchdowns whatever however you want to quantify it i'll let you choose the category brashad perriman or the seventh overall pick in the 2015 nfl draft by the chicago bears who also missed all of last season kevin white another wide receiver who uh, who has the better season
1: I feel like I got to go with Kevin White. Um just the health. And the, yeah, he's a little bit healthier right now. He's uh been able to practice for longer. Um you know, I I do think Jay Cutler is a worse quarterback than Joe Flacco, but Joe Flacco can spread the ball. Uh you know, I don't know how well they they'll be able to run it this year with Justin Forsett, but Joe Flacco is a little bit uh He's more of an equal opportunist opportunist quarterback. He's going to spread that ball out more. Jay Cutler's going to have his top two targets and attack that, and probably throw a lot of picks. And I feel like the Bears are going to be playing from behind a lot more, which is yeah. actually going to ramp up the uh, the passing yards. So. If I had to bet on it, I'd go with Kevin White. I agree with you.
0: Plus, Kevin's got Alshon Jeffrey on the other side to draw the best corner on the defense. Brashad Perriman. I mean, he's got Steve Smith, but still, I'm I'm more afraid of Alshon Jeffrey than I am Steve Smith. By the way, for everyone listening, Jimmy likes to make up words. He came really close with opportunists there. Earlier on Monday, we were talking, he made up the word Um when he meant formula that's the, League.
1: That's the Latin origin, <laughs>
0: just FYI. okay uh the Denver Broncos, the world champions, I actually believe that there are certain teams in the NFL who were sort of tied together you know you you tend to see a lot of players from team a you know trickle over to team B and vice versa. I think the Cowboys and Buccaneers are kind of like that. I think that each team has multiple connections, but cowboys Bucks is one. I think Texans-Ravens is one. Texans-Broncos now, obviously, because of Gary Kubiak. But I think that the, the Broncos and the Bears, that's how I made this jump, by the way. I'm just, I'm just explaining my segue <laughs> is really all I'm doing. But uh, the Denver Broncos, the world champions, obviously, had Peyton Manning retire, thank God, because it was bad last year. Uh, they named Trevor Simeon. The starting quarterback for the third preseason game this week. Now, I know that you are the Trevor Simeon expert on this earth, Jimmy. I know that you've seen every throw he's ever made in his life from Pee Wee to now. And um I'm just kidding, by the way, obviously. Uh but I'm just I
1: browsed his Wikipedia <laughs> once.
0: I'm just curious. Do you think that the Denver Broncos have the capability to be better or, or will they be worse? in two thousand sixteen and they were in two thousand fifteen. So basically is the two thousand sixteen version of Trevor Simeon because he has he has really impressed, honestly, um, against Mark Sanchez and first round pick Paxton Lynch. Do you think Trevor Simeon in twenty sixteen will be better and more functional than the cocktail of Peyton Manning and Brock Osweiler in two thousand fifteen?
1: So I think that Simeon can be a better quarterback than Peyton Manning was last year. Uh, Not Brock Osweiler because, you know, he's amazing. Um, I do think that Peyton Manning, with his knowledge of the game and his ability to read defenses and change plays, just if he gets the wrong inkling by looking at a linebacker's eyebrows or something like that. I think Peyton Manning, even though he was pretty bad last year, still put that offense in positions to win the play and win each play. So Simeon will, I'd imagine, have a better pass rating, be a little bit more consistent, uh, have a little bit more arm behind his throws, but I don't think that the team is going to do as well with him. I think Peyton brought a lot to the field that you just can't replicate because no one can replicate it.
0: I don't know that I totally agree. I sort of, think that the the offenses will be a bit of a wash i don't know if they'll identically be a wash i think the the success of the denver broncos ultimately comes down to if that defense can do it again and i think the odds are are against them in that regard so nfl network's ian rapaport tweeted on monday that jadevion Clowney, your boy and melvin gordon are both showing some serious life after some microfracture surgeries now you know acls used to sort of be the death sentence for players you know in terms of their careers people are never really able to come back from the ACLs are like a thing of the past they're like paper cuts basically and so micro fractures were sort of the cool new ACLs but if Clowney and Melvin Gordon are able to rebound in 2016 do you think that we can see micro fractures thanks to you know the success of medical technology and the continued innovation there. Do you think that microfracture surgery is going to sort of be lumped into ACLs where it was at one point like, oh my gosh, he's had a microfracture surgery, he's done. And now it's just sort of like, ain't no thing. I think that's
1: very far off. Uh, microfractures are still, or the surgery is still very, very serious. I know with Clowney in particular, He had to not use his leg at all for eight weeks. Mm. Um, I mean, it's a very, very long recovery time. It's still very serious. If you
0: couldn't use your leg for eight weeks, what would you do? What would be the thing you did all day?
1: Well, for me, not much would change. (laughs) I'm very lazy when I get home from work. But, uh, I mean, for Clowney and being a young player, it's very, very hard. And just making the NFL adjustments hard – having the pressure of being the first overall pick is hard. Lumping in a very serious injury very early in your NFL career is something very hard to overcome. And he's had some setbacks with that. He's been labeled as injury prone. He's lost some support from Houston fans, but you know, he's played one preseason game so far of the two and he looked very good in that preseason game, but it's just a matter of him being able to stay on the field and he wasn't injury prone in college. You could question whether or not he was giving his 110% on each play, but you know, in the NFL, he's had a few different issues. He's had back issues. He's had a concussion. He's, uh, you know, had the microfracture surgery, some hamstring growing issues as well. He just needs to, uh, he just needs to stay on the field. And I know, uh you know, if you have a knee injury that can maybe because you're running differently or walking on it differently, exercising differently, that can lead to a hamstring strain or an ankle injury later down the line because you're kind of catering that knee a little bit but uh I don't think we're close to having microfracture surgeries be something minor anytime soon or something that's not so serious it's I, a it's a long term injury
0: i agree i mean i i think it's it's certainly better and you know, I think maybe that's what the Ian Rappaport meant um, but I agree with you that if there is I don't want to call it a death sentence but if there is a serious blow type of medical procedure to an NFL player in 2016 it's microfracture surgery so quick question who has a better season? Jadeveon Clowney or Melvin Gordon?
1: Um, <sighs> Melvin Gordon he showed a lot of flashes but he didn't have dominant performances last year that I can really recall. Clowney has had multiple sack games. Uh, I think pro football focus had him as the number one uh, run stopping outside linebacker in the NFL. Choose Jimmy. Their metrics. Choose one. I'm going to go with Clowney, but I'm not confident in that. It's very hard, hard to believe I, I wish that he that, can take that next step.
0: I wish that Clowney sort of embraced his name more. And instead of going with like the black, you know, uh, like pain under the eyes every week, I wish he went with like a white face, like a like a clown, like a circus clown. You know what I'm saying? Like just a white face with like a red nose and everything. Like he should really embrace the name Clowny. You know what I mean? I think
1: he should be the clown for the upcoming Stephen King movie. It. Yeah. Are they really remaking that? I don't
0: know. Oh. Don't fact check that. <laughs> I, think, I think I read that. I don't know. Okay. Um, Rapsheet also tweeted, um, you know, he talked about this big news, a change to the NFL's practice and participation report. Now, I'm going to read some of the excerpts from it, Jimmy, so make sure you listen. So this is from that official report. The competition committee has approved the following revisions to the injury report policy. The practice report has been modified to eliminate the out category in order to avoid confusion between information provided in the practice report and its game status report. So, you know, this goes on and on and on but it says the probable category was eliminated from the game status report because approximately 95 percent of the players who were listed as probable in prior years did in fact play in the game if there is any question concerning a player's availability for the game he should be listed as questionable now i remember this was a long time ago but tom brady was listed as probable literally for like four straight years and i think that that has a lot to do with this rule change do you think that we'll see more honesty when it comes to these people you know coaches are going to say oh okay i'm just going to be straight up now or do you think we'll see more players listed as questionable
1: i think you're just going to see more players listed as questionable coaches are very anal about what information they give out mm-hmm. nowadays uh with social media they want to have absolute control of everything mm-hmm. they don't want to have their players seen uh in certain kinds of braces or casts in public I don't know why, but I feel like coaches overanalyze a lot of things and something like injuries, everyone knows clowny has a knee issue, but he's not going Bill O'Brien's not gonna talk about that. There's a pun gonna, there.
0: There's a clowney.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll let you have that one. But um I don't think this changes anything. You're just gonna see a whole lot more players listed as questionable.
0: Well, so that's going to be nuts. I think you're going to see like the fantasy football community like explode. People are going to be. I'm like, already terrified. I mean, <laughs> so you know, I teased this earlier, but you and I are uh, are both we we together mathematically comprise 20 percent of the league of extraordinary gentlemen. That's our primary fantasy football league. We had our draft on Sunday night, and um, I agree with you. The questionable thing is going to wreck a lot of a lot of us and. Stress us out on Sunday mornings and things like that, but a player that you drafted, Dion Lewis of the New England Patriots, their, their running back who emerged a year ago, he, uh, he needs to have some surgery to clean up his knee after he had ACL surgery from last year, obviously missing the remainder of the season, so... You know I know that you're worried because you're his owner, but you we do have an i r spot that was a big deal in our league for people listening <laughs> uh that Jimmy was actually opposed to, but now he's using either way uh so you've I'm got
1: I'm <laughs> using the rules to my benefit either way That's all I'm doing
0: you've got Dion Lewis stashed on your fantasy team, but how do you think that this is going to affect the real New England Patriots because when Deion Lewis was in games last year, the Pats offense was. I don't want to say unstoppable, but I'll just say, like, unlobbable. You know, like so- like something very close to unstoppable.
1: This isn't going to affect the Patriots much. They're going to find some guy that we've never heard of. He's going to be inserted. He's going to rush for 150 yards and three touchdowns, and he's going to get benched for showing up late to a meeting. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, they'll carry on. the The key is the first four games where they don't have Tom Brady. Yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo needs all the tools he can get. Well, all Jimmys
0: need all the tools they can get. That's like a rule of thumb.
1: I I support that. But um, I don't see Garoppolo winning or losing a game because of the lack of Deion Lewis. I think so much of it is just on his shoulders. It's not going to matter too much. Yeah, I think Um,
0: I agree with you. Like, I'm not worried about games 5 through 16 for, I, I'm not worried right. about Tom Brady not having Deion Lewis. I mean, Deion Lewis, I think, certainly would have helped Jimmy Garoppolo's case, but not to the degree that it was going to you know, make the difference between a win and a loss.
1: And even with Brady last year, Deion Lewis isn't like a dominant player yet, so it's not a huge upgrade uh, at the position for them. Uh, I don't see it making too much of a difference. I still think Garoppolo and the Patriots in those first four weeks are going to maybe win two, possibly three games uh with or without Dion Lewis.
0: Well, that'll be interesting and again, just super hypocritical of you to oppose the IR rule and now have Dion on your team. I just want
1: everybody to know that about you. But um <laughs> I was against the rule, but it's now uh, something I have to deal with, so I'm just going to use it to my benefit. I see nothing wrong with that. Whatever.
0: Anyway, so um it's you know, I think I speak for the RJO show nation when we say that we love you jimmy and and we're glad that you took some time to join us and um you know we'll we'll have you on again when the season is in the middle of things we'll do some fun post game you know episodes definitely after the texans raiders monday night football game and, and things like that but before we let you go i want to see yeah i want to i want to put some uh put some data on you and hold you to it at the end of this season. So I want Jimmy Jao Sethna, who, again, you can all follow and you should follow on Twitter at the Jimmy, Jimmy I want your pick for 2016 MVP who's going to win the AFC, the NFC, and then he's going to win the Super Bowl between those two teams. And then I want one bold prediction. And it can be anything. It can be a team. It can be a player. It can be, you know, just something crazy, whatever you want. So let's start off with who's your MVP this season.
1: I think Russell Wilson claims the MVP wow. spot. I I think he and the Seahawks just start dominating again and really stake their claim in the NFC.
0: I, I think he's going to have to play to an MVP level for them to dominate. And I, I don't think that's impossible at all. I just with, – with Marshawn gone, I think the offense is going to funnel a lot more through Russell – and so, and he's capable of playing at an MVP level. And so I think that he'll, he'll just, the opportunity is going to be greater. You know what I mean? So everything will rise.
1: Right. I think that the Seahawks are going to make a transition to a more pass heavy team because mm-hmm. now Russell Wilson, he's nice and he's polished and you know what you have in him. And he's got
0: Ciara backing him up, so he's good to go. Yeah, now um, he's married
1: finally. So, God bless.
0: Um, the AFC winner, who's it going to be?
1: This one's the toughest one because I imagine the Broncos are taking a step back. I don't know how the Patriots rebound with uh, Brady missing those four, first four games. Um, I don't think the Texans are there yet with Brock Osweiler. And uh, I'm actually thinking maybe the Bengals. Wow. This is their year. I They, they dominated early last year and... Uh, you know, Dalton got injured, they lost that very close playoff game, but I think this is the year Revenge season will dominate the regular season.
0: So you're not worried about the losses of Marvin Jones and Mohammed Sanu? You think Tyler Boyd comes in, they don't really skip a beat?
1: No, not at all.
0: Yeah. I, I think I agree. I mean, that that front office is so good, it just I mean, you could argue they've got the best roster in the NFL. I mean, easily. Uh, the best fifty three guys. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think you
1: definitely could. I think they, uh, for the regular season, they take that big step and they dominate and they're consistent throughout, okay. finally. So, we got your MVP,
0: Russell Wilson. We got your AFC winner, the Cincinnati Bengals. The NFC winner, who's taken you know the trip to your, uh, your hometown, Houston, to play the Bengals
1: in Super Bowl 51? I kind of want to say the Panthers. I think they Cam, get back. I, I think they're... They got a fire under their ass, and I think they are going to come out guns a blazing. They dominated last year. I think they've got a massive chip on their shoulder, and I think Cam definitely wants to erase that bad taste he left in our mouths from that Super Bowl. I am um, thinking the Panthers. I
0: I don't. I mean, I don't know that I agree with you this season, but I think that before it's all said and done, I think Cam gets one because he's just too talented. That team is too talented, and I mean, I think that they just they had an off day and the broncos had their best day and um, and i think that typically on, on the panthers is off day they probably beat most teams you know they just ran you know it's just an unfortunate sequence of events so i like that and i think that's cool because you've got two like cat cat type mascots you got the panthers and the bengals which are like tigers like who would win yeah, who, a who, who, who would win an actual fight between a panther and a bengali tiger
1: just one on
0: one. One on one, just like an arena, like coliseum style, like gladiator.
1: Open them, let them go. Well, I gotta ask: Is it nighttime or daytime? Because we'll if it's see. nighttime, that's a significant panther advantage. We'll say it's um,
0: we'll say it's like dusk.
1: Dusk. Oh boy, I'm gonna go with panthers here. Okay, so you think that an actual physical
0: Panther would beat the Bengal. Now, who's going to win the Super Bowl between the Carolina Panthers and the Cincinnati Bengals in Houston, Texas?
1: I think the Panthers win this. I think this is a game, the kind of game, that Andy Dalton would choke with against really, really stout defense like every other team in the NFL. They don't play well. They can be shut down fairly easily. I think the Panthers beat them by a wide wide margin i think that's
0: i I mean i agree with you it's hard to disagree especially if the panthers if if Calvin benjamin is what he was in 2014 and the panthers offense only gets better it's hard to i I don't think they're going to miss josh norman one bit so i think they're coming back and they're going to be exactly who they were so I, i mean that makes sense so jimmy before you leave us the last thing you owe the rjo show before the 2016 NFL season is a bold prediction. Give it to me.
1: I got one, RJ, and uh we're gonna end this the way we started it. I'm gonna say that Dak Prescott starts more games than Carson Wentz and Jared Goff combined. That is what I'm predicting.
0: I um I don't think that's too bold, so I'm a little bit disappointed to be totally honest. But I uh I mean, hey, if that's what you believe, that's what you believe, Jimmy. And so uh, we'll see. How do you you, know, you feeling good? No, not anymore. I thought that was very bold. <laughs> well, either way, you know, I hope you're wrong on all of these, obviously. But um, I uh, <laughs> I do think of you as a good friend, and I appreciate you coming on. Thank you for taking the time to join us. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jimmy Jimmy, closing remarks. I think that was a bold <laughs> prediction. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see where we're at in the middle of the season when we get you back on to talk more NFL and Texans and so this, that, and the other. Jimmy Jow sethna thank you for coming on the RJO Show, man. RJ Ochoa, do you like free stuff? I thought you might. If you check out my weekly NFL Pick'em Pool, you can win a free NFL jersey of your choice. It's really simple. I'm going to tweet out the link, put it on the Inside the Star official Facebook page. If you need it, get to me, rj at rjochoa or my Twitter at RJOchoa. Every week, you just pick who you think is going to win each NFL game based on the weekly spread for each individual game, and whoever has the most correct games at the end of the season wins. Whatever jersey you want coming your way straight from me to you. That's how the RJO show works. Go join the official RJO show slash Ocho live group today and compete for your chance to win an NFL jersey of your choice. Let's get back to this week's episode of the RJO show. I love this song back to the RJO Show. Massive shout out to today's guest, Jimmy Jow Sethman, my good friend, and and you absolutely should follow on Twitter at the Jow. It's a funny story. I think Jimmy Jow was taken as a Twitter handle, so he had to include the V, and uh, he really hates that guy. But uh, fun NFL chatter, and I appreciate the non-Cowboys fans sticking with us the last few episodes as uh, Dak Prescott has taken over the world, and we've had to talk about that a lot and um but yeah the rjo show for uh you know new listeners it is an all nfl team podcast obviously with a slight emphasis on the dallas cowboys due to my uh, involvement with insidethestar.com as a staff writer there. I write about the Cowboys. I'm actually gonna go uh, write some stuff as soon as I get done taping this and uh, it's a fun little setup fun uh, fun team. you know it's uh, these are good times. it's football season. And I'm really excited like I talked about with Jimmy, we had our fantasy football draft and you don't care about my fantasy team. everybody only cares about their fantasy team. But, uh, you know, you heard about in the break, the um, the Pick'Em League that you can join, just weekly Pick'Em, totally free, no cost at all. Just go join it, and you can get a free NFL jersey if you win. I think that's a lot of fun and uh, something that I really wanted to do, something I've been planning for a little while. And I'm glad we got through this episode. We survived. We did it together, you, me, and Jimmy. And, uh, again, I want to thank Jimmy for taking the time. It was a blast. I always love talking about this, that, and the other with him. And, uh, you know, it's usually over text messages, but it was fun to do it over the podcast platform. And thank you for tuning in. It is uh, going to be a great week. This is the dress rehearsal week for all NFL teams. So we'll get to see a lot of these injured guys that we talked about coming off the pup list. You know, get some some little uh, snippets of action before the NFL season is here. The fourth preseason week is typically the most boring. We won't get to see anything cool. So soak it all up this week before next week when everything kind of comes to a halt before uh, before the storm really begins, and it's going to be a fun ride. I, you know, it feels like the offseason was so long, but it also feels like it went by so fast. I don't know if you feel the same. I mean, I, I sort of still feel like we're talking about the draft and who the Cowboys are going to take with the fourth overall pick and, you know, the Titans and Browns trading out of one and two. I mean, it, it's just – it's uh, it's a fun year-round thing, and I'm really – really blessed and privileged just to be a part of it and I'm really excited. I think this is going to be a great season. I'm excited about what the RJO show can do. We're going to have two episodes per uh, per uh, per week. Wow, if I could get that word out, per week, as you already know. And uh, Ocho Live, be sure you're tuning in to my periscope stream and the official Facebook live feed of Inside the Star.com on our official Facebook page. Just search Inside the Star. I go on after every Cowboys game and a few times throughout the week to just talk about whatever's going on in the world of the Cowboys, and I will be doing those after every primetime game this season. So after every Thursday night football, Sunday night football, Monday night football, whether those games include the Cowboys or not, I will be going on Ocho Live to talk about them. So make sure you're following me on Twitter at RJ Ochoa for all the latest updates. It's football season, guys. I'm really excited. I really, uh, I'm really i starting to plan my first Sunday sort of set up in terms of food. I already have a setup in terms of my command center. Some people have been asking about that. I might tweet a photo out and um just uh just really excited. Yeah. It's here. We did it. We made it. I'm so I'm just hugging all of you. And so uh like I said earlier at the very beginning of the episode, we will have an episode of the RJO show in the immediate hours after Cowboys Seahawks on Thursday night. It's a late game. It kicks off at ten PM Central Time as the game takes place on the West Coast, sort of, um, out in the Seattle area. So as soon as the game is over, I'll go on Ocho Live, like we talked about. So check that out. And then after that, I'll jump straight into the podcast booth. This week, I'm joined by one of the best football minds there is, Landon McCool of Blogging the Boys. He's a great dude. And uh, you can follow him on Twitter, at McCoolBTB. So check him out and get ready for uh, for that episode. It's going to be a lot of fun, good times. And I hope you have a great week between now and then. It's going to fly by. Madden is coming out, and I'm a big Madden player. I play on Xbox One, so if you have that, you want to play, let me know. Hit me up, and we'll get some matches going. Maybe we'll stream them online or something. Yeah, we'll have fun. Technology is great. Until we chat on Thursday, have a great week. You know, enjoy it. The fall is approaching. I'm sure you can find pumpkin things some places and enjoy it. It's the best time of year. Really, it just... I mean, you know, warms my heart. I'm so excited. So have a great week. I'll talk to you on Thursday on Ocho Live and here on the RJO Show. Until then, as always, go Cowboys and peace out. Oh,
1: what's he gonna do? You wanna get down? Tell me. Oh, what you gonna do? Do you wanna get down? What you do, you wanna get out, or what you gonna do, you wanna get out, tell me. Standing on the wall